you're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Good evening and welcome to Kingdom Life Seminar. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the opportunity to gather and um, lift up our voices and praise. If we know the God we serve, then we know that um, we never seek him in vain. Every time we call on him, every time we sing his praises, something is happening. Oftentimes we may be unaware. Praise the Lord. But being unaware does not mean it's not being recorded. The Bible says even normal conversations of those who fear the Lord is recorded. Praise the Lord. Not to talk about when it's a meeting like this. So we, we thank God for the opportunity. And we know that even if we're to round up now, just our voices raised in praise and in songs of worship, you know, has accomplished much. Praise the Lord. I'm saying that just in case you don't get any other thing. So, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. You know that uh, you've had your time's worth. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, uh, come with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Praise God. And um, we'll read from verse 9. And we would stop uh, verse 15. Uh, we'll start from there and just um, see how the Spirit of God will help us. John 15 verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life. Hallelujah. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. 15 and the last one for now. It says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Okay, let's read 16. It's uh, say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. You know, as I was coming, I believe the Lord started speaking to me on something that is very simple and, you know, light. And um, I've come to know that if we're in Jesus' time, we won't be seeing him preach and vibrate. It will be conversations we'll be having with him. Praise the Lord. Because the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. It wasn't seminars. The scribes and Pharisees may have been conducting seminars, but Jesus would have been having conversations. Praise the Lord. But the thing is that the conversations transformed men. Praise the Lord. It changed fishermen to fishers of men. So it is the impact. And he said, teaching us, it says, wisdom is justified by her 
children. So I'm looking forward to the time when maybe I will even stop preaching. If we come to church, we'll just sit down and gist. Praise the Lord. Because the truth is this. Oftentimes we record the impact of a meeting from what happened in the meeting. The impact of a meeting is not what happened in the meeting. When you watch a movie, it's impactful, it's powerful. Thriller, action. But after that 30 minutes, if you are hungry, you are hungry. If you were in Abuja, you're in Abuja, Abi. Wherever you are, that's where you remain. The movie is over. <laughs> Amen. But when something happens that changes you, you go from that place carrying what, and that was what happened at Pentecost. The Bible says that in the day of Pentecost, these people were in the upper room. When the power of God came down, it wasn't what happened there that transformed people. It was the impact. It says the people all over felt their head. They noticed something had happened. Praise the Lord. And then they began to ask questions. So my prayer is that when we come, it's not so much as what happens in the few hours we spend, but that people will know that you went somewhere. Someone who saw you in the office Monday morning sees you Tuesday. No, that's, oh boy, what happened to you? Your countenance is different. Your reaction is different. Your attitude is different. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so I just heard what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. I know there's a song, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, but, but just, just thinking about the Lord Jesus, the mighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is your friend. He is my friend. Praise the Lord. And I am not claiming him. Like from the text we read, verse 15, which was actually where, but there are quite interesting things from 9 that we'll look. It says, no longer do I call you servants. It says, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. So Jesus is looking for friendship with me. He's looking for friendship with us. Praise the Lord. Now remember this Jesus is creator. This Jesus is very God of everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God, all of that. Okay? And the Bible begins to let us know the transition when he began to speak to us in Philippians 2 from verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, you know, being found in appearance of, as a man, humbled himself to the point of that, you know, became obedient as a servant. You know, look at the journey he went through. And when he came down here, he says, I am his friend. Praise the Lord. He says, you are my friends. Now, who are these people he's calling friends? These are sinners. These are imperfect, you know, wanting in every area. At this time, these people were still asking who amongst us is the greatest. Praise the Lord. At this time, these people were still saying, give us, you know, minister for communication, minister for, no, minister of uh, Niger Delta ministry and um, the new one now, national emergency. Uh, the two most powerful now. Those were the, you know, these were the people, but he, he was coming down. And I began to say, why would you want us, what, what is this about this friendship? Servant is enough. If there were anybody here who worked, um, let's take it, uh, you work for the U.S. Embassy. You know you have a bit of attitude when you come amongst us. Praise the Lord. I mean, if you work for the U.S. Embassy and you come amongst, especially you come amongst those who work in Ministry of Works, you know, Ministry of uh, Education, teacher, you know, if you hang am- amongst them, when they are discussing, how do you feel? The person will feel, 
You know, why? I mean, he, the person is a servant too. But because he's a servant of a high authority, a high authority, he looks down on the rest of So if we were servants of Jesus, it's a great honor. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, an, it's an unimaginable honor that the master, that we will serve him. But he didn't stop there. He said, no, I don't even want you as servants. I'm elevating you to become my friend. That's another level altogether. Praise the Lord. And these are the meditations that we must just, not academically, just keep thinking. You have friends, I have friends, we all have friends. Jesus is your friend. Because a lot of things that happen and the word of God expects us us, or says to us, it saves you from our expecting that we understand some of these foundational things, some of these basic things. So let's just run through the background before we move on from this passage. He said, as the father loved me, I also have what? Loved you. And then, you know, what he now says is this, what is it about your friends? Do you love your friends or do you like your friends based on what they do? You know the thing about friendship, you attend um, some school or whatever, and there are just some people there that become your friends. Praise God. It's by choice. It's a choice that you make. You don't put the pros, you know, the advantages of being friends with this person. Nobody does that. You just get into, you know, a flow with some people. And that's what he's saying. He said, the father loved me. And that love, I'm doing what? I'm loving you with it. Then he makes the next statement, which, I mean, was, for me, was one of the things I learned coming here. And he now says, abide in my love. Because this love thing can be very confusing. You know, the love, some people say is unconditional. I think it's not unconditional. I think it's conditional. But, you know, whatever angle you're looking at it from, look at what he's saying there. He says, the Father loved me. I also have what? Abided in the Father's love. Then he says, I'm loving you. What should you do? He says, abide in my love. Now, I'm seeing that I've been credited with love. Praise the Lord. He has chosen me. You see, my walk with God now, I'm not trying to meet up. I'm trying to remain. The word abide is to leave. Some translation will say, live in my love. Okay, so he's saying, the Father has loved me. I have loved you. You now do what? He says, live in my love. Almost the same thing as friend. He says, I've chosen you as friends. Now, can you remain my friend? He didn't say, if you can do one, two, three, four things, you become my friend. I don't know if we're getting what we're saying. Okay, so it talks about credit. It talks about an investment of what you may call um, social capital. Okay, he's investing social capital. He says, you're my friend. You haven't done anything. And he says, you're my friend. Then he now says, let's go for a drink. If you say, I'm not going for a drink, what I say? You're rejecting the friendship. He didn't say, if you go for a drink with me, you become my friend. No, he says, you are my friend. So let's, you know, let's go to my house. Praise the Lord. He went on and he says another thing there which is important. He says, if you keep my commandments, what will you do? You will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and have what? And, and abide in his love. Praise the Lord. So he's pushing something here now. He's saying, you're my friend though. Praise the Lord. Abide in my love. How are we going to do this thing? You have to do what? Keep my commandments. Now somebody says, why is commandment coming in? I thought we're friends. But the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? If you have any friend who is really your friend, that's why the Bible says, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. If we are going to be friends, 
then there has to be some form of agreement. And because he is God, he has come down to be a man. So don't even ask, what are you doing for me? The fact that he comes down at this level, he has done more than enough. He's now saying, keep my word, commandments. This should be the terms of our friendship. This is what is going to make it work. So what this does for you and I at this stage is this. You know, the, the enemy has brought this fear and this attack on the word commandment to the church. That whenever people hear commandment, they think it's legalism, it's religion, and it's all of that. And the Spirit of God dropped in my heart that anything that works, there is a way it works. It's things that don't work, that don't need instructions. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody that tells you there is no need, you know, the liberty we have in Christ is not a liberty of lawlessness. It's a liberty to do what should be done. Anything that works, think about it. Anything that works. If this AC is working... There is a button you press for it to come on. There is a button you press for the temperature to change. But if it's not working, if it's just a piece of furniture, then we can be pressing anything and just be the sound. That's all you're going to get. Anything that works, there'll be a process, there'll be instructions. Praise the Lord. So commandments, the enemy has attacked the world for the church. And when we hear commandments, we'll think, oh, this person has come. This person is, you know, bringing us under, you know, the law and religion. No, it says something is working. It means there's progress. It means there's life. Yeah, it means there's a blessing here. Every blessing has the way it should be handled. It should be received. Now, if I gave you a piece of paper that was worth nothing, you need to go to no address. But if I wrote you a check... Praise the Lord. That was going to give you a lot of money. Can you drop it anywhere? Even if you're going to the address, can you go anyhow? Won't you get some ID? Are you getting what I'm saying? What has happened is that you're keeping the commandments so that you can cash the blessing. That's what we begin to say as we follow the scriptures now. It says, I've kept my father's commandments and have what? Abide. In his love. So you do what? Keep my commandments so you can continue to abide. It's not punishment. In another place, it says my commandments are what not. They are not burdensome. So you, you see some of these things and you, you begin to see the background where the problems come from. You see, in a lot of ways, the spiritual things are like mathematics. Once you miss the principles, the thing will just be driving you crazy more. You miss the very foundation. So somebody says, ah, this is what God will have you do. I say, but why? No, but he's loved you already. He's blessed you already. He has chosen you already. He can never ask you. He didn't even need to ask you. It's because you're blessed that he's asking you. Praise the Lord. So he goes on and says there, he says, just as I have, who has kept? The son has kept the father's commandment. So now we are being brought in as children of God. What is the big deal? If the son who is God is keeping the commandments of the father who is God, then shouldn't it be a delight for we who were sinners, who have been what? Redeemed by mercy, brought in, you know, undeservedly into this kingdom to rejoice in his law and this is what you see in Psalm 119 when you see the psalmist talking about obedience and you know you see a man who knows where they took him from praise the Lord okay we'll move on he says these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full very important here now 11 we see the word joy so in this place that uh, we see joy mentioned why is joy going to remain in us and why will our joy be full why? What is going to bring our joy to fullness? Simple. He said, if you keep my commandments, 
Let me ask you a simple question. Have you had moments where you were just full of joy? Now, if you think back, you will know that those were moments where you did something that God asked you to do. There were moments of obedience. There were moments where this thing he said of abiding in my love. You saw yourself, you know, just feeling a sense of fulfillment. You know why? Because it has been given to you. You now obeyed and you experienced. He says, I'm speaking these things to you that my joy may remain. I've given you the joy. If you don't follow the process, you'll miss the joy. And is it a wonder that amongst Christians, we have to artificially get ourselves excited? The sound, you know, generally everything just has to pump us up. You know what? The level of disobedience is high. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The level of disobedience is high. He says, I've spoken these things to you that what? My joy may remain. So joy can go. Praise God. Okay, many of us here have, um, where we have children, or we remember when we were children. Your father travels for three weeks, or your mother goes to the market in the morning and comes back in the evening. Is it a thing of joy or a thing of sadness? A thing of what? Is a thing of joy depending on what you did <laughs> depending on what you did while they were away if your mother was going to the market and said help me do this help me do this go to this neighbor's house collect this thing if you've done all those things and your mother is coming back you know you'll run out to the car and be jumping as she's coming back the same mother the same you tells you do this do this do that your friend comes you will go to play football and you forgot what your mommy asked you. The same mother coming back. What is happening? Your joy goes. What has happened? In one instance, you have what? Continued in the love. You have abided. Okay, you have remained in the love. Let's just leave that. Okay? You have remained in the love. In the other one, you have what? Escape from the love. So the external events are the same. But you are missing something. So for the Christian, joy... It's as a response of how do we follow our master. He says, I'm telling you these things that what may happen, that your joy may remain. You see, so in this sense, those who say it's unconditional, they're right. But they're not together right. Because the same mother comes back, you don't have joy. Another, the mother comes back sometimes, you have joy. So her coming back is settled. But you're experiencing the joy is what? Is a... Uh, Dependent, Praise the Lord. Anyway, so, so we leave that. We're still going somewhere. So it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That we know. Then he now begins to get into this friend one now. So it says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So he's saying here, what is he saying? He's saying, when I call you friends, I'm investing in this friendship. I'm investing in this friendship. I don't call you servants anymore. So there were one servants. And we want to see now what changes when they go from servants to friends. What changes? Okay. Servants obey their master now. And here he's telling us about obedience. So what's the difference? Servants, I mean, even more so, are compelled to keep the instructions. So what change is he calling here? What is he inviting us to? If already as servants, we are to keep and you know, obey him. He's saying something here. 
he gave us an insight in the very scripture. It says, a servant does not know what the master is doing. Okay? So the servant only receives instructions and does on, and is to carry them out. But the friend, the master says, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I am doing what I'm doing. Okay, so the servant's obligation is only to what? To carry out tasks assigned to him or her. But the friend is invited now to see to the success of the mission. Now, the servant has a contract. Okay, so the servant is to give six kilojoules of work and he will get 600 naira. Okay, so the servant delivers that he collects the 600 naira and goes. Okay. A friend who delivers six joes of work and sees that the desire of the master has not been accomplished. The plan, we wanted to finish this thing. It's his birthday tomorrow. What will he do? He will continue to do the work even though time has passed and his energy has finished. So the promotion is a promotion to joint liability. It's like many of us work in offices. I believe most people here, if you work anywhere, you probably would have come to senior management. Now, junior management, they have over time. Isn't it? If they work on weekends, they pay them. When I was in the bank, if they work weekends, you know, they pay them. If you work extra five after six, they pay you. But senior management, they give you mobile phone those days. And you think you're a big man. The reason they give you mobile phone is that you might be going to your village and they will call you and say, please, the MD needs to make a call with you. Now, all your plan has changed. No overtime will be given to you because already you've been invited. You understand the vision of this organization. You see to the success of it. So when our Lord Jesus begins to say, I don't call you servants again. I'm calling you friends. He says, I'm bringing you higher. Praise the Lord. I'm bringing you high. At this level now, I don't monitor you. I trust you. I don't compel you. Because I have explained to you. Praise the Lord. We're not doing hide and seek again. You're not trying to give me. You see, any servant, or rather, let's say every servant, will give the minimum for the maximum pay. Praise the Lord. And then reserve his energy to do his PP or whatever. But when you become a friend, the friend gives the maximum for no pay. Many of us here, you visited cities where you have, you know, where you don't have friends, and you realize that, you know, uh, let, let me use London for instance. The reason I don't like going to London is that once you drop in London, if you breathe, your money will go. If you step out of the airport, your money will go. Even drinking water, you, before you know it, one day in London, your pocket is all, almost empty. If you go to America, after one week, you haven't spent money because your friend would have picked you from the airport, bought you food on the way. You know, you have not spent money. They've gone farther distance for you. <laughs> you understand? But in one place, you have friends. And they do this, you know, with nothing in mind. On the other side, you have to pay every bit of the way. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus is calling us to have this mindset when it concerns the work of the gospel. And why is this mindset is important? You're going to see why it's important. The Bible says to us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, we can open to it. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 is a scripture we know where. 
For the love of Christ compels us. It says, because we judge thus, that if one one died for all, then what happened? Then all died. We judge. Friends judge. Servants don't have time to judge. Servants are not thinking with you. Tobe is into construction. Yes. I believe a few of us here may have had experience with construction people. You see, when you experience daily pay people, you understand what the servanting is about. You see, they don't care what is going on. At a particular time, if they, their money doesn't come out, there is a, a riot. When we did the first construction, when we did the Zell of Nations construction, I was coming as a pastor. So when I come, I'll be nice to them. You know, I'll be nice, maybe buy lunch for them and all of that. Thinking that when their own time comes, say, oh boy, see now, this thing never finished. The way they'll be reacting, you'll be wondering. I said, I thought, uh, you know, I thought now we, we, you know. So when the engineer comes, he'll be hard on them. You know, very almost mean to them. Then I'll just be nice. All I'm trying to do is so that when I need them to bend in over a little bit, they will bend for me. I learned the lesson. That these people don't understand what. They don't judge. They don't care whether the dedication is tomorrow. Once it's five, unless you renegotiate again, they cannot put in any extra. Now, but we now, the Bible is saying, we have gone beyond where it is go, come, sit, stand. No, that's why even all this argument about tithing and all of that, that's why it's not emphasized in the New Testament. We're going to touch a bit of what giving is in the New Testament. Because under the new covenant, it says we judge thus. Under the new covenant is a matter of judgment. You sit in church, you judge. The apostle Paul says, let each man give as he purposes in his heart. It means when you come, this church that you're attending, look at what is going on there. You know, the work of the ministry, the things that are happening. Ask yourself, this 10 million naira I made, so is it right in your eyes to use the 10 million and blow it firm? You know? Or if somebody has to hold you to bring one million. He say, you judge now. Are you understanding now? Why? He says, now I brought you in. I brought you in. You're to reason with me. So he says, we judge thus that if one died for all. So the friend knows that what? This other friend has what? Died for me. He died for me. And then you begin to ask yourself, if my friend died for me. A simple illustration. You have a friend who... I think there's a, a real life case. I can't remember exactly. There was this young child that was going to be run over by a car. And the father of some other child ran in and pushed the child away. So the child escaped from the car, but the car killed the father. The father of the other child, what do you think will be his obligation to the children of that father, of the man that died? Responsibility. And, and that type of responsibility is not the one he'll be complaining if he's going to visit them to ask, how are you? He won't be saying, these children, I don't have time. He'll be with gratitude. Now, until the Christian has that understanding, we'll still be having friction. He said, I'm sharing this so that our Christian journey, because this thing is supposed to be sweet. Praise the Lord. Christianity is not supposed to be a grind. Praise the Lord. Somebody shouldn't be driving us. Nobody drives you when matters concern your friend. Does anybody drive you? My wife doesn't go out on Mondays, but this Monday, her friend, she had somewhere to go. I was just laughing in my heart. She went. Do you understand? Nobody drives you. So when they say fast, 
or pray or do something and you have to be driven check your friendship check your friendship okay so this father will take care of the children of that man always with joy because he knows that this man laid his life down so that his own child can live whatever service that he or she is giving what is it going to be doing? he's going to be doing it with joy he's going to be doing it with pleasure he's going to be doing it with happiness praise the lord and this is what the bible is saying this is what our lord jesus christ was saying to us and that's why you know as believers we see the place of joy and fulfillment it's the foundation say with joy will what draw waters out of the wells of salvation whatever we are doing as believers once it's coming from the place of drag or pain or they are pushing us then something is wrong we need to step back whether it's our giving whether it's our service whatever it is we're doing we need to step back and ask what is our judgment the passage where it says we judge what thus that if one died for all then what all died the second part now says therefore what those who live those who live what should no longer live for themselves and not with pain your friend you know that is your friend loses the father and their village you have to cross seven seas to go there what do you do you're going you're going it's inconvenient is in all of that but you're going why because that is a friend it's a relationship praise the lord it's a relationship so when jesus begins to say i'm calling you friends he was bringing them in he was releasing them and at the same time if i could use the word you know tying them with a cord that is softer but brings them closer praise the lord so we look at another scripture now and begin to try and begin to round up first corinthians 15 we see how this flows in now. First Corinthians 15 verse 45. A very um, simple short statement that is made there. It says the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became what? A life-giving spirit. Now what is happening here is this. We say one died for all, then all died. So that those who live no longer live for themselves. Why did Jesus die? Did Jesus die for himself? He died for you and I. Praise the Lord. Okay, so he has made an investment into us, and then based on obligation and response to that investment, we are now living for him. The Bible says the first Adam was a living being. What's a living being? A living being is somebody who exists. It means a person. Praise the Lord. It means a rational person. So Adam was rational. So if you want him to do something, you explain to him, why should I do this? Okay? If you don't want him, you have to, you know, motivate him or warn him or whatever but a life-giving spirit what is it now what's the difference now what i believe the lord is saying to us is when jesus came he didn't come to live for himself he came every day jesus lived what was he doing he was giving life he was giving life he was i don't want to use the word leaking maybe leaking but because he had the spirit without measure the bible says how god anointed what jesus christ of nazareth with the holy ghost and what with power so he went about so under this new this thing now as we see that we are friends we change from having this christian mentality of is about me praise the lord because that's what a living being is about a living being who, what is a living somebody that eats and you know has movement and but you come into this understanding you see that you have been translated into another group you're now a life-giving spirit 
So you go to where you're going and you're going to minister comfort. It's not convenient for you. Praise the Lord. But you need to go. Why? Because if I go there, I will soothe their pain. You are now going through challenges or trouble and you look around you and you know that people know you as a servant of God. You can't even cry the way everybody will cry. You will what? Glory in tribulation. Okay? There's something that is going on. And you deny yourself the personal response that you should bring in that situation. Why? Because you're no longer a living being. You're a life-giving spirit. So in every situation, that's why the Apostle Paul can write, you know, things like, though Paul, making many rich. He said, weapons of more of righteousness on the left hand and on the hand. He has come to understand now that though Paul is living, Paul is not just a servant. Paul is a friend. Christ is in me. Praise the Lord. And I'm going about why? Diffusing the fragrance of Christ. I'm answering Christ. So whatever he says to me to do, I'm not calculating it based on my comfort or discomfort. I'm checking. Is there life to be given? Praise the Lord. Are there people that I need to serve? Why? Because this is what the friend, my original friend, did for me. So we become a species. You know, a new special people. That's why the Bible says, he that is in Christ is a new world. Creation. What changes amongst us is not that we become richer than the rest of the world. If you were so, we will be the richest. Praise the Lord. It's not that we will be the people that um, maybe our children will not fall sick or, you know, we won't have um, issues with um, mosquito bites and all of that. No pimples and all of that. No. It's that this set of people are living in the world, but they are life world giving spirits. Everywhere they go, they're diffusing Christ. They're diffusing Christ. And it's in that life that what our Lord Jesus promised, where he says, your joy will be full. When the apostle Paul says, rejoice, and again I say what, rejoice. He's not a hypocrite. It means he must have been walking in some measure at that level of rejoicing. Praise the Lord. It's not calling you and say, and say rejoice, shout. No, it's a rejoicing that comes out of purposeful living. And to begin to see a bit of this, think of the missionaries that came to Nigeria. Or rather, that came to Africa you know, and, and went to different parts of the third world. Think of what will make them go. What will make them go? They heard the gospel. And then they realized that there are people in lands who don't know what is up. They haven't heard of Jesus. So they leave their comfortable homes. They leave everything and they begin to go. What are they doing? They are life-giving spirits. Why? Because when they become missionaries, you know, God will answer their prayer. No. Not because they want to give life. They have come to this understanding. They are friends. My friend is doing something. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us, tells us of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says he will see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. My friend has made an investment. I can't let his investment waste. I have to tell everybody. So sharing the gospel is not let me win five souls so I can tell somebody I want five souls. No, it's because I know my friend died for you. I know my friend died for you. If you had a friend who had a business or something and you had people who you knew would benefit from the product, just their own benefit, wouldn't you be excited to tell them? So it becomes a superior motivation. Praise the Lord. To live this life. You're praying when you're praying, you're talking to your friend. When you're fasting, you're longing for your friend. Praise the Lord. Yes, you're longing. If you're married here, you know what it means. You know, whenever my wife travels, it's easiest time for me to lose weight because what am I eating for? Praise God. So I will not eat so that, you know, there's nothing to eat for. The joy of the eating is, you know, we eat together. Or even if I'm not hungry, 
You know, just eating your wife. Well, your wife is not around. What are you eating? What do you need the energy for? Who will you gist with? You know, just go and hold your pillow and count ants and sleep. You know, you understand? So it becomes it. So you fast, you fast for him. You pray, you pray in fellowship with him. You sing, you sing to him. You begin to find that this Christian thing. And, and then at that point, you know, another thing that happened. It's not about anybody. So all the show dies. So even sometimes when people tell you to pray in public, you pray one second prayer because you want to talk with your friend, just two of you. So you don't come in front of everybody and say, Oh, God! Nobody talks to their friends like that in public. You don't impress your friends in public now. They know your friends. You say, oh boy, let's go. You will just escape from the crowd and go and continue your business. Praise the Lord. It's a place where my prayer is that the Lord will help us come in because it's a place of safety as well. I looked at, you know, a few people who in the scriptures I think understood this. Barnabas. The Bible tells us his name was, um, what was that his name? Barnabas was actually a guy named, uh, is it Thaddeus or whatever? Barnabas means son of encouragement. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, 36, um, 36 and 37, yeah, Joseph. So a man named Joseph, who was also, you know, named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus or Cyprus. He said, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this was apparently the first, you know, major giving recorded in the Bible. I want to ask her, why did Barnabas do this? Why do we think he did this? He was trusting God for the fruit of the womb for the wife. What was he trying to contact? Barnabas judged that for this kingdom, this thing we're doing here, for it to move, there needs to be money. Praise God. The king's business requires money. God's will requires money. It says through prosperity that cities shall spread abroad. So he went and sold the land that he had and brought the money and dropped at the apostles' feet and went. Some other people who were servants saw the way that they called Barnabas in the whole church. And people were prophesying and declaring how Barnabas will be great. And Ananias went home and said, I have land too. Praise the Lord. If that's what provokes this type of uh, attention. He went and sold the land. But the problem is that when he sold the land, he kept back part of the proceeds. Because he didn't trust the outcome. Praise the Lord. And brought some also in public so that they will go pray for him and bless him. Barnabas did what he did out of a private relationship with his master. Ananias was doing what he was doing for the corporate recognition. But I said, why have you allowed the devil to tempt for you to lie to the Holy Ghost? You see, a lot of problems people have in their Christian work is just this thing, not knowing that you can be friends with Jesus. Your relationship outside is secondary. That's why, you know, as pastor, I have come to respect some people who don't want to be workers. Let your relationship with God be solid. That's what matters most. Because, see, the worker process is that you become a worker. Someday you become a pastor, deacon at least now, or HOD, Abby. And then people see you. But that's not what will take you to heaven. What is your testimony? We, we can't, being a deacon and doing all those things in church, we don't know how your office is. Praise the Lord. Praise, okay, let, let me just say this in person. How many of us have had 
this experience where someone you've never, you don't even use his first name. You've had to transfer money to his account and he gives the account number and you see the name. Maybe the person used to call the person Bishop, Bishop Abu. Then the person gives you account details. See Nathaniel as a logo. That's, you see the name naked. Have you experienced something like that? That's how it should be in heaven. Nobody is going to have Bishop, Apostle. Do you understand? No, none of those big things. What I'm trying to say is this. Just ordinary bank removes titles. Some people that you call maybe Pastor I.K., you now see that the name is Pastor I.K. Lepachi. You, you, that's the whole thing is made naked. That's what it is with your relationship. It's personal. Don't worry what outside is saying. That's where the enemy can trap you. What am I saying? Barnabas did what he did and we saw that we are not even sure his reward was financial. But we saw that the anointing came upon him. He was the one that was used to bring in the apostle Paul. Now, for Ananias and Sapphira, nobody asked them to do what they did. But this whole thing of misunderstanding what the journey is about. Tonight, all I'm just sharing is what a friend we have. He's not a, I mean, he's a master. Praise the Lord. He's God. You know, Fred Hammond sang, he is not just a man, you know, but he's our friend. That's, he said we should be friends. So as we round up, I want us to go and pray. Lord, I want to be friends with you. You know, I want to enjoy you as I enjoy my closest of friends. I, I want to, I want to receive your love. I want to worship you. I want to be able to pour all that I have to. I want to receive the help. No, nobody boasts to the friends. You're playing. You say, ah, this thing, I, I know fit. Then your friend will say, ah, I will help you. Ah, you go make him. I know you. Don't worry. Just try. Just try. Lord, I want to be your friend. L- let this burden. You didn't put this burden on me. You, the, the weight I'm carrying, this stress that I'm carrying, you know, and running this race. You said, no, I'm no longer a servant. If you have a friend who cannot help, and you know he cannot help, many times you've gone to maybe ask a friend for help. You realize this friend actually needs your help. You that are looking for help, you will help your friend. Haven't you? Had, so tonight we want to go and say, Lord, you have called me friend. I want to be your friend. Lord, I release, Lord, everything that has brought legalism and pressure you know, and weight. You are beautiful so we begin to appreciate all those things that we say when we sing lord you are beautiful your face is all that i see you know when your eyes are upon this child your grace abounds to me lord i love you i want to receive your love help me i want to know you i want to be your friend you know i want to be your friend i want to be moved you know to do right from the innermost of my being let not the fear of men or the applaud of men let them have nothing to do with the relationship i have with you lord i want to know you i want to be your friend lord thank you for calling me your friend lord help me bring me to this place of understanding let me enjoy you let me enjoy you we are not called to enjoy you we enjoy you we endure hardship but we enjoy our master that's why we are called the sons of god if we are given the right, the privilege, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, every veil in my eyes, every area that I've struggled, everything that is heavy, Lord, I bow at your feet tonight. And I say, Lord, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You know, you, you walk in me both to will and to do. Come inside my heart. I want to be your friend. I want to take all the benefits, all the privileges, 
of friendship with you, Lord, so that I can be effective as a Christian, so I can do it well and do it with pleasure and enjoy the ride as I walk with you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. And because he's our friend, we can go ahead and call on him and say, Lord, this is my area. I need your touch here. I'm not a superman. I'm not a superwoman. I need your help. Lord, I want to do better. I want to love you more. I want to serve you more. I want to do better. Lord, look at my heart. Look at my area. Lord, you are strong. I'm weak. You are wise. I'm foolish. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Lord, I need healing. I'm sick in the body. Lord, I need your touch. Somebody needs financial provision. Yes, he's our friend. There is no shame in it. He will make provision. Peter needed to pay tax. Jesus as his friend would not allow Peter to be embarrassed. He walked a miracle. Lord, walk a miracle in my finances. If you need that in that area. I need your touch. He's your friend. But we know you love us. We know you are good to us. We know you are dependable to us. Nobody can love us like you do. Nobody. You are the lover of our soul. You are the captain. You are the one who initiated this thing. We read the Bible say, you did not choose me. I chose you lord i thank you lord i thank you lord i thank you lord i thank you so tonight when i pray to you i see i'm talking to not just my god but the one who calls me friend the one who has reached out to love me lord i thank you and i receive the grace to continue with you in this relationship thank you my father thank you my god in jesus Christ's name we have prayed amen praise the lord You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.